world and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. And be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen. I want to thank all of you and particularly Mary Graves for the invitation to be here. I've had the privilege of knowing Mary for the last few years and have heard her speak and greatly admire her presence in this community, and I'm sure you all are grateful for her. I've gotten to know Kirk here over the last few days in an intense way, and just learned this morning that you've only been here since January, and Kurt, you seem like an awesome guy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure this congregation is, is happy to have you. Many of you who do recognize me from somewhere, probably recognize me from my role in Home and Hope as the former executive director, and I've now moved on to doing some more creative nonprofit and consulting work. When I was invited to, to preach and Mary said the, the, the lectionary text for this Sunday is Psalm 24, I thought, okay. And I opened my Bible and it immediately fell to Psalm 23 because that's where you go when you go to Psalm. And I saw on your website that you're doing a series on Psalms and I thought, I came across this slide, and I thought whoever's preaching on Psalm 23 might find this one helpful. Are you the one preaching on it? Well, I, I'm hoping you can use that. You can take that down, because if I see it again, I'll keep laughing. While Psalm 23 is quite possibly the most well-known passage from the Hebrew Bible. Psalm 24 is no slouch, especially for fans of Handel's Messiah. The latter part of the chapter are featured lyrics in the much-loved masterpiece. Now, a good biblical scholar would drool over the rich content of this passage and would have multiple slides with charts and graphs connecting the ancient language and culture, but you did not invite a good biblical scholar to preach today. You invited me. And I am more theologically inclined. And even though I got a good seminary education, what primarily informs my approach to understanding a sacred passage stems from my work as an educator and a social service worker. 
See, I was a school teacher, vice principal, and principal for nearly 15 years. I worked on elementary campuses, middle school campuses, high school, and even K-12 campuses. I dealt with discipline a lot. I dealt with upset parents a lot. And for most of the last 10 years, I spent my time working in direct service to the homeless. In both settings, K-12 and in social services, you hear lots of personal stories. Some deeply sad and troubling, some fantastical and outlandish, but every single personal story, no matter, no matter how factually reliable or unreliable, reveals something important and true about the teller. The trick I found is to listen beyond the verbal sleight of hand to the heart of the matter, to listen for what the teller longs for someone to hear. So I utilize this approach when preparing this sermon with Psalm 24. And the psalm is credited to David as the author. And I read and reread Psalm 24, and I read it with this image in my head of the David that I imagined to have been. And it was David reading this to me. And through all the flattering heavenly imagery and God-pleasing language, a single word surfaced vindication. It's kind of tucked in there, easy to miss, because it's a fantastic passage. Now, according to the almighty Google, vindication is a verb that means, one, to clear, as from an accusation, imputation, suspicion, or the like, to vindicate someone's honor. Two, to afford justification for, justify, subsequent events vindicated his policy. Or three, to uphold or justify by argument or evidence. Now David, David could be considered the most lovable rascal of all the Bible figures. He seemed to constantly get into trouble and when found out, was really good at pleading his case and seeking forgiveness. It seemed like it was a cycle for David, as it is for some of us. Now, while it's easier, or it would be easier, to list all the things that David did and should have done and maybe should have reconsidered, I'd like to bring this a little closer to home. And when I examine my life, I remember times when nearly all of my energy was consumed in pursuing vindication, particularly in my years of adolescence and young adulthood. It seems like a complex series of intersecting dominoes. You ever seen one of those things where they're clicking and clacking and they're, you're not sure exactly where what's going to fall next, but in my mind, I was expecting that that puzzle, when it was complete, that would all pay off, and others, my parents especially, would join in this glorious chorus singing, Raj, you were right all along. <laughs> Still waiting. But as we grow, 
things shift for us and we begin to pursue vindication in places like work and relationships. And in my present situation, where I seem to long for vindication quite frequently is on the parenting front. I have two adult children who are both magnificent people. The older one is in his third year of college pursuing a degree in classics with the intention of obtaining a PhD in teaching and writing. The younger one is off to New York for college in the fall. Both are kind to their family, treat their grandparents with respect and enjoy hanging out with their grandparents for long periods of time. And they are great older cousins and I love them profoundly and unconditionally and often tell them so and still give them kisses on the head. But I will find myself in situations with them where I'm thinking or saying out loud, one day you will look back on this moment and you'll know that I was right. (laughs) You may be wondering, well, share one of those moments. No. (laughs) Because if you've ever participated in raising a child, you've been in that spot where you hear your mom's or dad's or auntie's or uncle's voice come through and you're like, I can't believe I'm saying what I'm saying, but I'm saying it anyway. And when I reflect on these longings for vindication, I'm not really at the deepest core of myself. I'm not really hoping to be proven right. What I'm looking for is a chance for a do-over. And as I was wondering about this chance for a do-over rather than trying to prove something right that really can't be proven right, is there a way for me to minimize or eliminate those moments when I wish for a do-over. Two quotes came to mind. First is a quote from Malcolm X's early years, by any means necessary. I would like you to keep in mind that Malcolm did not hold onto this hard line perspective his entire life. He changed quite significantly and drastically towards the latter part of his life. But for much of his public career, It was an important pillar. The second statement is from Gandhi. The ends and the means are one. Now, in my experience and in my observations, by any means necessary is often a formula that hinges on vindication. A by any means methodology often leaves a trail of damage and does not result in an outcome that benefits all people, much less all non-human living things or the planet. But when we are guided by the principle of the ends and means are one, we are not able to compartmentalize or justify harm for the sake of some goal. Each action is a thoughtful step towards the goal while exemplifying the goal in every step. Let me repeat that. Each action is a thoughtful step towards the goal while exemplifying the goal in every step. Back to that definition of vindication, a verb that means to clear from accusation, imputation, suspicion, 
to afford justification or to justify. My offering to you today is that the principle of the ends and the means as one is a way to minimize, even eliminate accusations, suspicion, the need to justify or explain. Psalm 24 verse 4 says it this way, those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. And I believe clean hands and pure hearts are possible when the ends and means are one. Earlier this week, I conspired with Kurt to recruit a couple of people to share their perspectives on the sermon as part of the sermon moment. And after they've shared their thoughts, I will wrap up the sermon time. So are Aaron and Andy around? One, Aaron and Andy Vitas, and then I also asked Elsa Grenon. Is Elsa, Elsa's back there? And then Jim Boso, is Jim around? So maybe if the three of you want to come up, is that, or should I go to them? I'll go to them, I'll go to them. I'm going to walk around a little bit, so. This is Aaron, by the way. Hi. Very bad at public speaking. I'm not sure if I was quite prepared for this level of attention, but... Um... Thank you for the sermon, and I love that you referenced um, Handel's Messiah, because that I think is like the best piece of music ever written, and I think it's enough to uh, stand alone in converting people if they just listen to the whole thing from start to finish. But anyway, that's an aside. Um, I felt like sometimes when I read the Psalms, it has these references to, oh, who can ascend to, uh, I reference it correctly. Um, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hearts and, or sorry, clean hands and pure hearts and so on. And I sometimes think to myself, or at least I, I did think to myself earlier in my life, well, lucky for them, <laughs> you know, bully for them, they get to go. But what about those of us who don't have clean hands and pure hearts? And it was only after... Um, reading the Bible a little bit more thoroughly and carefully and realizing that um, the covenant of God is uh, that we are um, righteous by faith, just like Abraham originally was. His, uh, his faith was credited, credited to him as righteousness. And um, mm -hmm. so it's actually, that's what makes you have pure, uh, pure heart and clean hands. And, and it's your faith in Jesus Christ and he's what, what actually cleanses you. So... Anyway, I think um, sometimes when you're reading the Psalms, you feel like you're not in the inner circle, but anytime you have faith in Jesus Christ, then you really are in the inner circle. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else I should talk about? It's perfect. No, it's a thoughtful <laughs> okay, response. Thank you. Yeah, it's very thoughtful. No, it's good. So before I agreed to, you know, like do this, I read the, the psalm 
because I wasn't going to agree if I read the psalm and I didn't have any clue what it was going to be about. Um, so I had an idea about what the, what the sermon was going to be about. I thought it was going to be like, God owns everything and God is great and everything's great, all that type of stuff. It didn't really take that turn. So, um, But I, I like the way it went because <laughs> um, I think it's really important because um, a lot of times we talk about how can the Bible apply to your life. And I think this is... This was a really good application of psalms that you don't normally, you know, think apply to your life, applying to your life, because he's talking about don't use your energy to get vindication from other people. Don't, like, start choosing your path because you're saying, well, if I do this, you know, maybe my parents won't approve, but I know it's a viable course, you know, I can, I can get that job, and then I can get lots of money, and I can be, you know, great. But, um, and the psalm, and he pointed out that the psalm was saying, um, those who have, you know, clean hands and pure hearts, they're going to be vindicated by God. And I think that's, like, such an important thing. They're going to be vindicated by God. You don't need vindication from anybody but God. So you can just do what God wants you to do without worrying about what other people are thinking. So I think I didn't notice that reminder the first time I read it, and I like that. So that's my thoughts. Cool. Thanks, Elsa. <laughs> I was thinking, as the scripture was read, that who is invited to stand in the holy place of God? We are. Because every Sunday, and I hope other times as well, every Sunday when we pray our prayer of confession, we're looking for vindication. We're looking to have our slate cleared that we can have a do-over. So the exciting part is we are invited to be in the holy place of God. Thank you for, for those important perspectives. One of the things I love the most about exercises like this one is it helps us bring into focus that none of us can claim ultimate authority on who God is or what God intends. It is in our relationships. It is in conversing about things that are beyond our comprehension that we can begin to uncover and discover truth. Now, one of the dynamics that I believe is critically important in living a life where the ends and the means are one is that you shed a common Western cultural pillar, which is rugged individualism. See, the Christian body is about cooperation. It's about leaning on each other. It's about being open and honest about when we need help. And I think one of the most beautiful and crystal clear examples happened this morning. And what, what's your name? Allison. Allison, and what's your name? Claire. Came up to light candles. And Allison's wick was a little short. And she's really fast. And so her speed overtook the flame. And it went out. And without a moment's hesitation... Allison got to Claire because Claire had a flame. Came back and carried out her responsibility to the church service this morning. And we too, if we could emulate not hesitating when our flame goes out, wondering how we can reignite it ourselves, if we are open with one another as family members, all of our lights can shine brightly. Amen. Amen.